it's Jason Price, and this is the Who Should I Be Talking To podcast. Today's guest, via Austin, Texas. This is cool. And a follow-up to Rachel Gladstone. Thank you, Rachel, for the intro. We have Rosie Flores. Rosie is named through Ultimate Guitar Magazine... I believe it is, uh, maybe Guitar World, Premier Guitar, Guitar Player, and uh, says that she's one of the top 75 greatest female guitarists of all time. That's pretty impressive. Um, she's uh, the rockabilly filly, as she calls herself, the chick with a pick. Um, she has done everything from country to blues to rock. She's got this rocky edge. In fact, she uh, she performed in a, a tribute to Chuck Berry at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, so very, very accomplished. She's, uh, her career spanned decades now, four decades, I believe. Uh, her, her solo debut, 1987, Rosie Flores. 95, Rockabilly Philly. 99 dance hall dreams and then she gets into uh some blues stuff that uh she's worked on her on her own the simple case of the blues she's got the working girls guitar and uh that's what she really wanted to be known with it was uh the fact that she actually she plays her own guitar in her recordings that's her that's doing that and and that was the story that we'll get into with the working girls guitar that album um she's toured around the world but she has a day named after her in Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas. 2006, she uh, she got the honor where she got a uh, uh, the Rosie Flores Day in August, August 5th or 6th, I believe. So anyway, without further ado, she a, was a, a joy to chat with. And uh, thanks again, Rachel, for, for hooking us up. It was a long time coming. She was, she's very, very busy. She's on the go. And uh, it, was, it was awesome to catch up with her. So, ladies and gentlemen, Rosie Flores. Over who I'd win and what I've done and where I've slept and when I've gone. Why I'm here, how I'm so Hey, it's Jason Price, and this is the Who Should I Be Talking To podcast, and as promised, I have Rosie Flores. Welcome to the show, Rosie. Thank you. Good to be here, Jason. <laughs> How's Always things? In, around. <laughs> yeah, we were talking a little bit pr- prior to recording, and uh, you're, you're a very busy, busy woman. <laughs> you're, you're on the go. I went from zero to a thousand. <laughs> From the pandemic to now, it's just like it just went. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's a, well, I kind of the time to get ready for it, you know. Barn doors open and the horses out. Hey. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It wasn't the barn door. It was at. Is that it was at the races. And the oh wow. And you know that's how I look at it. Yeah, escape. <laughs> cool. Ready. They opened it, and you're at the horse races, and you got to go, and everybody's watching you. Man, and they want to see how fast you're going to run. And if you're, yeah, run, yeah, you're that's awesome. Not to be the loser. <laughs> I would say it's it'd be we go. <laughs> hard for you to be the loser. I think <laughs> you're, it you're pretty well. Loser. Yeah, 
you're pretty well established now. I don't think you'll you'll no, be. Able- <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, that's not the problem. The problem is, you know, trying to get. You know, like we're in this world where it's like social media, and you gotta, you gotta like do all that stuff and make sure all of your shows. Oops, my guitar is gonna fly off and hit me. <laughs> you gotta do all the social media. You gotta make the post. Get somebody to make the posters. You gotta put the set list together. There's so many pieces to the puzzle that you want it when you're like me. You you want everything to be perfect. You know, I'm yeah. a Virgo. I was born six planets in Virgo, and so it's like you know everything's got to be perfect and lined up and lined up. You know, and it takes a lot of time. Whoops, I don't want too much light in there. Um, it's got to line up good so that when you get to where you're going to do the show. Yeah. Um, you want it to be really smooth and not, you don't want to have to be, you don't want to have any, uh, you know, holes in it. Sure. Yeah. Leak out. You know, Hiccups. Hiccups. <laughs> yeah. so you just want it to be smooth so that people enjoy themselves and, and you enjoy yourselves as, as a performer, you enjoy yourself a lot better. And, and uh, then it, it's a good experience, you know, it's the process versus, yeah. Every time I get a show, there's a hundred problems to solve. Wow, out of town, not locally. So, are you are you on a label now or no? Uh, right now, the last record I put out was a single. Yeah, um, by Mule Kick Records, put it out um, A and B side, and um, they're a label. One partner's in Nashville, and one's in. Uh, Venice Beach, which is basically Los Angeles. Oh, wow. They're artists themselves. So it's an artist-based label. Oh, that's cool. They have bands, and and they're doing a documentary on the Palomino Club. Oh. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard in Canada knows about the Palomino Club, but it was the premier country nightclub out of Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen images, and I've heard it in passing, but have you played there? It's because of them that you've seen images because they're, they've brought it back out. Oh, it's wow. Really hard to get, you know, the legacy out and, and do, do it justice and tell the world about this place and really where California music came from, you know, where, where did it, you know, there's always like a little breeding ground in every city. Like, you know, you Max is Kansas city and where the folk thing came or the, Ashgrove in LA or, you know, in folk music where you yeah. have CBGB, you know, in the punk yeah. era of New York. And so every, there's usually, it seems to be every uh, scene that comes out of every city usually has like one nightclub where everybody. Congregates. Yeah. Like a focal point. Yeah. You know, everybody congregates and hangs out and that's where you um, meet people and find band members and get booked and, Make friends, make love. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you're seeing. It's like you're. you're That's funny. That's so uh, Palomino was what our scene was with Dwight Yoakam. Oh yeah. We were earlier in Lou Harris. And oh. Persons and before that George Jones and Jenny. My favorite, my favorite of all time, George. Yeah. Isn't he great? Oh, I uh, yeah. It's uh. What a boy. Oh, it was yeah. I've had a my very the first time I went to Nashville, I went to record and I ended up meeting his wife and 
it was just quite a Thank moment. You. Yeah, it was so nice. It was, yeah. So it was, uh, I had a, I had a good time. Billy Bob's is another big one in Texas. Is it not? Or, um, Billy Bob's and Gillies were very popular in Texas. Yeah. They were like the big, huge country Western where you could go and, and do your two stepping and okay. very popular. One was in, uh, around near Dallas and one was near Houston. Yeah. And, uh, but that, those, those places came out after Urban Cowboy, the movie with John Travolta came out. Oh, okay. To me, I mean, it was a great movie, and I, I even like watching it. Travolta was amazing in it. But it, for me, it kind of ruined, because I was, all of us that were really into country music and George Jones and Waylon Jennings and Johnny Cash, that movie had nothing to do with those people. No, yeah. New the new sound, it was almost like turning country into disco or something. For yeah, me. that's that's what I felt too, yeah, like kind yeah, of a tight. So I don't really, you know, but those those nightclubs, you could go there, and I played there. Yeah? I was certainly getting hired to play there, and they would pay you good money. And, but they wanted you to play all the songs off the Urban Cowboy. They didn't really? They didn't want to hear. Original music? No? no. They, huh. they, they wanted to hear Looking for love in all the <laughs> places. Yeah, right. Yeah. And they would dress up like cowboys and cowgirls and then go back to being regular people. Wow. But I don't know. I I grew up in the honky tonks, you know, and yeah. playing music in the smaller country nightclubs that really had real, uh, that were following what real country Real music, Before yeah. Before it got really populated and and kind of got, um, you know, I don't know. It's when when uh, I guess it was uh, I think it was RCA Records turned the recording equipment, got rid of the did the uh, digital and made everything, you know. Yeah. They made it digital. And made stuff. it digital, um, yeah, from onto CDs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I liked, I liked it when it was recording tape, and that's uh, although it's a lot easier to record now without oh. recording tape and all that. But anyway, the whole sound of it changed, and so that was for me, who was like a country fan since I was, you know, fourteen. It was like watching Johnny Cash getting dropped from his label. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I think the guy's name was Jimmy Bowen or something. I, I don't know. It just it was hard for me to watch. But then, you know, I was like, uh, you know, I was friends with Dwight Yoakam. We're like, we got to bring the old stuff back. You know, it, oh yeah, it's so important to keep keep doing the real thing. You know, and yeah, in our bands with the real sound, fiddles and steel guitars and twangy guitars and yeah Dwight Yoakam was definitely the king at that I think still well he's not recording as much anymore but yeah he was such a rebel and he was just his music was hot and he was hot and and I I just loved that era you know and just trying to keep that but it got away from us It, it did it's it's weird I don't know and it was shortly after that, almost like the Garth Brooks kind of era after that. You know what I mean? Like, because I remember uh, uh, Dwight, yeah. yeah, Dwight and Randy Travis were kind of in at the same time. Alan Jackson, and then 
Um, George was, Strait. George Strait. Yeah. Oh, I love George Strait too. Yeah. Yeah. Those yeah. guys were keeping it. Uh, they're keeping the traditional sound. Kind yeah. Of. Yeah. At least an oh. element of it. And so yeah. when, you know, I was considered in that mix of people that got signed around that time was, was a Katie Lang and um, myself and uh, Lyle Lovett and uh, Dwight, of course. And they, they called us the new traditionalists. Mm, yes. It was like a buzzword that whenever we got written about in the newspaper or magazines, you know, they're new traditionalists, you know. So are, are you, uh, you're friends with Katie Lang? Uh, I wouldn't say, you know, she's never taken me out to lunch. No? Oh, geez. <laughs> I, I was asking because my dad is from her hometown, which is a well, very. I'll tell you what, I I adore her. Uh, we were on the same label. We were yeah. both in Reprise Records, and signed um, probably signed by different people, different A and R people. But um, but whenever I was around her, she was always very courteous to me. Yeah. Um, I I didn't know what to think of her at first because well I always loved her singing but um I felt like I was a little upset with her because she took my my side man who was oh Greg Lee who was she took him as her steel guitar player and I I got lost without him you know I I, sort of ruined my career wow and and then I I kind of had like he was my guy you know and so but I was happy for him to work with her because he sure. was paying him really well. And I hadn't yeah. really made it big yet. So yeah. I felt like at that time, like I, I can't make it big. You know, but, right. So, you know? Yeah. Because uh, I really depended upon him a lot, you know? And um, so we're still, we're still in contact and good friends. And he went on to become, you know, and, and it was good that she took him because that helped him move on to his bigger and brighter, the sure. bigger and brighter career that he has his establishment as an amazing um, like musician steel and he's yeah. on everybody's record as well. He should be. Oh, wow. But it was just, you know, I wish he could have gotten taken from me after I like went over the Just home. a little longer. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I could have made it a little better, you know? So, yeah. But he still kept playing with me from time to time, but I, I never really had that management team. Okay. You know, I ended up getting dropped from the label and, you were with Warner for a while, where, that was were you not? Reprise, yeah, so I was talking yeah, about. yeah. And then I went over to um, High Tone Records, which is a label. No, actually, after that, I went over to uh, Red Moon Records out of Switzerland. Oh, cool! Bill was with Greg. Greg helped me. We produced. He produced um, that record for me. Um, in between working with Katie Lang and all the recordings he was doing with numerous people. Um, and then we recorded, he produced and played with me for three more records on High Tone, the High Tone label. And huh. Stayed with me all the way to um, Rockabilly Philly and produced that record. And and the so nickname it was came. 1995, and that's the last time I really got to work with him. Okay. So. You, you know what we missed here? And I, norm- uh-huh. I don't know how this happened, but I normally start every interview with how you got, to, because of the premise of the podcast, we completely skipped that part. And yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah. Rachel Gladstone. She's the one that uh, connected us. And yeah. uh, so how did, how did you meet Rachel and how did all this, because I know she's written with you as well. 
she's my songwriting partner. Yeah. Okay. um, It was interesting how uh, we met. Um, Okay. Back um, in my early days, uh, this is around. So I I joined a a punk rock band called the Screamin' Sirens. Yep. I had a, a little bit of a punky thing that I kind of had going for me, but I was also doing rockabilly. And at the time I was opening for anybody and everybody in all the little concert halls up in the Bay area from, from San Diego up to LA and all the way up. Wow. I was a really good opening act. I would open for, you know, Jerry Lee Lewis solo. solo Wow. Awesome. I would open for, uh, David Lindley and L.R.I.O.X., uh, uh, you know, Emmy Harris, uh, The Blasters, Sleep at the Wheel. So uh, cool. Go Diddly. Um, oh, really? The Blasters, all kinds of people. And But the clubs, the bookers loved me because I could get out there with my acoustic guitar and have all this energy. And <laughs> yeah. Walk the crowd up. And like, Whoa! You know, they were just ready to rock the bring the next band on and all you had to do is plug in one guitar and then Rosie was out of the way, you know, that's awesome. So it was really fun for me. And so one of the shows I was doing in San Francisco at a club called the great American music hall. Okay. One of my favorite venues back then, uh, a guy named David Bromberg. I was, I was opening for David Bromberg, who's an amazing fiddle player, maker, mandolin. Yes. And, um, Rachel, I met backstage because she was a background singer for him with his wife, Nancy. Oh, cool. And so I met her backstage and she looked, or I guess she came up to me after I opened and I had my hair in a little ponytail and it was like wiggling around. I had a a red satin jumpsuit and tennis shoes. Oh, awesome. She said, she said, hi. She said, I love you. You're punk folk. <laughs> I said, I am. Is that where I am? She goes, yeah, you're punk folk. When I had the dark sunglasses on, of course. And so we, we just started talking and we were sharing. Uh, I remember sitting on the floor because there wasn't any chairs, but there was this great big mirror that went from this. It was like leaning up against the wall. It was probably, you know, five feet tall mirror. And we both kind of sat there cross-legged you know, putting makeup on. And stuff. Yeah. And we just started talking and we ended up uh, trading numbers and saying, Hey, you know, she's, she was saying, I live out here in Marin County. If you ever want to come over and write. And I'm like, I'd love to, that sounds fun. Like I'm up here a lot, you know? Cool. So um, I called her up. That was either before that we had one other show we played. We shared the bill with him, David Bromberg at the Berkeley Square. That was another one of the oh, wow. venues. That, that was where I used to play with Chris Isaac in the early days. Oh, really? The, that's and cool. And then my punk rock band started playing. Oh, so, no way. The Screaming Sirens, yeah. But anyway, so I went over to her house finally, and she had this really great upright piano. And I'm like, wow, this girl's so cool. She's like a real musician, you know. Yeah. I not very many songwriter friends at the time. and. And she actually helped me so much. She probably doesn't even know this, but uh, uh, I asked her if she could, because she said she taught voice lessons. Huh. I said, would you give me some voice lessons? 
could, could I take some from you? She was like, sure, you know, and I won't even charge you. And That's she awesome. ran me through these, these uh, really cool exercises and I still use those techniques now. Oh, awesome. I, I really, I think about those techniques a lot. And I think about Rachel, the exercise she put me through working on the song Blue Moon. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I learned a lot from her. And then we started writing a couple of things. I don't remember that anything we started back then ever really made it to the forefront. But many of the songs we wrote together, because she ended up moving from Marin County to New York. Yes, yes. That's yeah, where she, she And so yeah. I would hire her for a background singer for me whenever I had a gig there. Cool. And, um, and then we just started writing probably, I can't remember if it was maybe when she came to L.A. to stay with me and, or when after she moved to L.A., maybe that's when we started really writing a lot more of the stuff that's on my record. So you'll see a lot of, if you look at my discography, there's a lot of Flores Gladstone. I think we probably have at least 20 songs together. Yes. I, well, I've seen it definitely on the last couple. Uh, yeah. I've I seen a few there, and I started uh, looking at them. The, the uh, Simple Case was, of the Blues. Yes. The last album, that, yeah. that title, title song we wrote. And there's a really good song on there called Drive, Drive, Drive. Yes, I listened to that one. Yes. I have one. I have a few of them downloaded. So when, uh, yeah, as soon as she told me who, who it was, it was coming on the show. I downloaded a bunch of your music and I've had it on. And it's, I've noticed over the, like from the, from the beginning to Uh up to where you are now, like the, the differences all the way through, like the kind of the pure country to the rockabilly, like the rocky kind of edge. And then, and then the blues one was kind of boom out of nowhere. It was awesome. Yeah, I, I grew up into a jazz and blues singer. Yeah. I really don't I don't really play country that much, although I do get on country festivals. Okay. And I will, you know, do some of those songs from that era, you know, for my country fans. You yeah. Know. Um, you know, the gig that I play that my new band that's called Rosie Flores and the Talisman. Yes. We're more like kind of rockabilly and surf and blues and R&B. Yeah. Uh, and we, I do throw a couple of country songs in the set. So I try to do a mixed bag, you know. But it, it, if, if we can rock out and I can play my guitar and wail, that's what I'm <laughs> on the to do. Yes. That's, that's the calling. The working girl's guitar. That was the one that. Where did you, when did you start? So that's a, I mean, we'll go in that direction too. You, you were named, I believe it was in the top 75 of female uh, guitar players ever. There's a list. There's a list. Yeah. I don't know who exactly compiled it, but I know that uh, several industry people were made to uh, put somebody on the list. They they were asking record label people. Sure. to contribute Who type do you of deal. want to be on this list and so i guess i got on that way that's awesome that's so, so nice my name's flores i'm kind of up near the top you know? ah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, well, i was using the top five or whatever <laughs> <laughs> that's great alphabetical thing, you know? but, yeah and then, um, my my really good friend uh sarah um i'm not sarah parker sarah um 
um, anyway, she made a poster and it's really cool because she put all her favorite guitar play- female guitar players on the Oh really? On the poster, yeah. And oh, it was awesome. really cool. We got we got that and so that came out on on and so you know where I so I saw it, some one of my friends sent it to me from uh from uh Holland sent it to my friend in Glasgow, Scotland. So my oh. friend in Glasgow, Scotland uh sent it to me and said, Look what I got from Holland. And then it turns out it was made here in Austin. <laughs> Talk about full circle. Oh. Um, wow, that, that little poster really got out there. It traveled like Paddington. <laughs> yeah, it was like Paddington Bear. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. So when did you start? When did you start playing Sarah guitar? Hickman, that's the one. That oh, okay. Sarah Hickman. I don't know if you can see it, but it's. I'm going to put that in the notes too. Oh, oh, so cool. Yeah, that's awesome. It's cool artwork. She's a really good artist. One of those little chicken scratch names on the left. (laughs) (laughs) And that's available online, that picture? Yeah. I'm going to just. And you know who's on top is um, Elizabeth Cotton and Sister Rosetta Tharp. Oh, wow. Cool. Angels, the pioneer angels. Man. Wonderful black women. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, put put a link to it. Hear your race in my in my book. Yeah, for contributions to music and everything. Everything. Cool. That's awesome. Name it: cooking, sports, songwriting, singing, dancing. Yeah, athletics, comedy. I mean, just yes, true. Yeah, art. Isn't that something? Yeah, yeah. We didn't, you know. Anyway, don't well, get yeah, started you... on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, I, you know, being, I must say that being on these guitar lists and, and uh, appreciation and stuff like that, I mean, I, I just really feel like I have such a long way to go as a guitar player. Really? Wow. I just feel like that every day. Every time I get on stage, I'm like, ah, you know, I, I should have played that lick better or I need, I have so much more to learn. And so I try to get up every morning and grab the guitar, I have a little amp, you know, and I can flick it on and yeah. have my coffee and, you know, or turn on Alexa and then got this guitar here that's nearby. If I'm yeah. eating or I hear something and I can grab it. Cause if, if you don't practice, you don't, you don't grow. Yes. And yeah. I, I, I see online little, Girls, I've seen some little girls that look like they're in diapers. Like, <laughs> yeah. little, like it's like it's like puffy underwear, which I think is diapers. <laughs> yeah, right. Little itty bitty legs, you know, yeah. Little tiny t-shirts, and they're going there, 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 there. Yeah, oh yeah. And it's crazy. Parents are doing an amazing job. It's crazy what kids can do now. Showing them, you know, maybe they're just going on YouTube and themselves. You don't, you don't know. That's the part I think that they're uh, exposed to. Really, I mean, if you look at even in sports, some of the things that people are able to do now that would have blown you away back yeah. even twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. They're yeah. amazing. I mean, who so, knows what it's going to be like? So you didn't have puffy diapers and short little legs when you started. <laughs> No, but I was uh, I was sixteen 
Okay. And my brother had the band and, you know, oh. the, the garage was on the other side of my wall. So okay. I would listen to my brother's band practice and it sounded really loud. Yeah. Loved it. And I would sing along with their songs and um, I didn't play guitar yet. I was only, I think I was like 14 or something. And I, um, I asked him, can I, can I sing heat wave with you guys? Yeah. He said, okay. You know, so when I got up there on the mic and sang with a live band for the first time, just something clicked and I'm yes. like, this is what I'm doing now. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so I, I asked brother, brother and his musician friends, like, I want to be in the all school show. So we, can we borrow your gear? Oh, wow. Other girls that I know that play guitar and one's a drummer. And I want to put an all girl rock and roll band together for the school show. Cool. Like they were all about it. You know, here, honey, you put it on like this. <laughs> yeah. so we did it. And we, we were so brilliant. We were so good. And the harmony parts and the playing. And we ended up becoming a real band. We called ourselves Penelope's children. Okay. And, uh, my father and my mom came to the show and, um, you know, we're so blown away. My dad said, you need to keep doing this. I said, That's yeah, great. We need, we need, you know, to get equipment. And he goes, I'll, I'll help you, you know. So he took us down to the music store. And do you know that, you know, for a guy that's just, he's raising four kids. He just yep. went to the post office. He took us down and signed for about 10 grand's worth of gear. Holy smokes. Put his name on it, put a down payment. And we had all the top. You know, like if you see Get Back, the Beatles, yeah, yeah. those vo tall Vox PA columns they had in there for PA. Yeah. We had those. My dad bought us those. Man. We had microphones. We had, we had, uh, he got uh, Vicky a Hoffner bass, just like Paul McCartney's. Man. He got me, I was into the Rolling Stones, so he got me the teardrop guitar. I, well, I picked out, um, that Brian Jones played in the Stones. Holy Only mine was black, and I painted pink lace. I mean, uh, I painted uh, purple lace on it because I was purple. <laughs> and then uh, Dr Ludwig drums like Ringo. Oh yeah, yeah. We had a uh, all our gear, and so we had the original girls' rock camp. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, nineteen sixty-six. Man. Well, you that's must have where I started, and I never looked back, Jason. Well, no wonder that's a lot of support. I mean, he must have really. I mean, that's great that, that yeah. a parent would support it that that well and that much, and believed in you so much. Uh, I get I get teary eyed when I think about when I'm talking about it. It just it always gets proclaimed, you know, because at the time, you know, you don't you don't know that every parent's not doing that for their kid, right? that's my parents and that's, you know, they're, they're, they're raising their kid to be musical. And, um, but dad came out and we were rehearsing and, um, he put his arms like this and he said, okay, girls, I need you to rehearse because payments, $80 a month. <laughs> <laughs> Start working, you know, and that was good. A good thing to say to us. Cause it's like, putting it all in per, into perspective you for know, sure career for you this you're going to make money doing this this is yeah. a hobby you're yeah. not doing this for fun you know? 
Yeah. And, you know, that was good business sense. And we ended up getting little gigs and the other uh, parents jumped in and took over and helped their kids pay for help pay for their kids. Yeah. Here, you know, and, and, um, and you guys helped pay back, so you—it it was like a loan almost. Oh, so great! Yeah, it was yeah. a loan, you know. And my dad—it was a loan that my dad took out, and that, yeah, the bill was only eighty a month back in nineteen sixty. Uh, let's see, was that nineteen sixty-six? Yeah. Wow, that's eighties. Little—that's uh, that was a high price tag though back sixty-six. You know, <laughs> we bought that now. Yeah. Probably a million dollars. Nineteen sixty-five stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But um, but certainly, if you bought all brand new PAs and stuff like that, it would be way more closer to probably I don't know twenty thousand. Oh, easy. Yeah, I I mean, I have just a Bose, uh, the new Bose yeah. setup, and that's I think that's a thousand dollars for just a solo Bose planner thing. You know, for an acoustic. And- Right, you know, she's yeah, just, they might turn that into a Netflix uh, movie, and so I just, you know, I'm just waiting for her to hit the big time so she can take me with her to Paris. And there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, she, she's like a sister to me, and so oh. of course, you know, she recommended to talk to me because we've written so many songs, and yeah, and yeah. the person that I'm going to recommend to you is like a sister to me. Oh, that's great. Well, well let's hold and wait for that one. Cause I got, that's the very last question. No, not yet. <laughs> you got that right. You're right. It's going down the racetrack. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, that's great. Before we get there, the, uh, like a little bit more on you, the, so where did you, you went, you went from, the Penelope, uh, Penelope and the Penelope's children. Pe- yes. Pe- how did you name it? Penelope's children. What, where did that come from? Funny, I have a picture of them right here. Um, have a little refrigerator magnet of them. Oh, awesome. So, um, let's see, where's the camera? A little bit. Oh, cool. It's going to turn out. So awesome. <laughs> that's me with the teardrop guitar yeah Actually, i can show you better because this little screen has is making it so you know we we decided that um at the time uh, greek mythology is what we were studying in high ah, school okay and so we were all studying it because we were all the same age we we were um what were we uh, 16 years old little to the probably right there you go and oh cool isn't that cool any better man that vicky with her hoffner bass yes my vox teardrop that's something (laughs) so penelope and odysseus had a child or two okay and so we thought well we could be penelope's children because we felt we're still really young yeah relating to the fact that we are still children and that's something so um that band gave me all my my roots you know and my my early guitar chops you know because i was it was a trio i was the only guitar player around girl that i'd ever heard of there wasn't there were no go-go's there were no pandoras there were no wow um, 
what was the Bengals. There was no Fanny. I never heard of Fanny, but I think Fanny was bubbling under in their ground. That same cool. From what yeah. I learned. And, huh. and, 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 and older girls, I think in England were starting a band that might've been two or three years older than me. Man. So it was, you know, some women were catching on to it. Um, but I was the only one that I knew of and certainly the only one in San Diego. Yeah. So we played as many, um, Penelope's children played as many, they were called battle of the bands as we could get our, our name on. Yep. So, like it's kind of talent show type. Yeah. And they yeah. Would, there were so many bands in that era. And yeah. It was the 1960s and it was a thing. It was so real music. Like, you know, 20 bands and we'd be, always be the only girls and we'd come in for second or third all the time. Oh, awesome. Because we were good. You know? Yeah. And uh, so we would get some money that way. And then we ended up playing at officers clubs in San Diego and um, rec halls for teenagers. And, um, and then I discovered playing with guys. Yeah. Okay. Oh my God. That is cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I would be like falling in love with guitar players, other guitar players and drummers. And so, yeah. you know, I grew up, you know, and I was like, Oh, girls are cool, but I love playing with guys too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, um, I was in a lot of bands, you know? Oh, wow. I had a band in San Diego called Rosie and the Screamers. And yes, that's and that was the punk kind of. Was that yet. right? No. Actually, oh, okay. Yet. There was a punk rock band out of LA called the Screamers. Oh, okay. The lead singer was Tomato Duplenty. Huh. And he was he was radical. He was you know not exactly like Johnny Rotten, but he was he was bizarre and wild. <laughs> but um, you know we. Rosie and the Screamers were what we made the audience do. I would go, come on, Screamers, and the audience would go. Oh, that's so great. It was really fun. They had like 200 people screaming, you know, and and our guitar players were great, and and I was just kind of starting back to playing lead because I'd gone to sort of a working as an acoustic songwriter, harmony girl getting gigs at steakhouses and lounges with my then boyfriend. Okay. We had a little group called Sweet Fire. Huh. And so we made pretty good money playing in the bars. And, I bet. But then when, uh, when I joined Rosie and the Screamers, they were a ready-made band and, you know, the drums and the bass and everything. They were already established. They had come from uh, backing a guy named David Bradley. Okay. It was huge out of San Diego, um, and they were, he called uh, they were called the OD Corral. <laughs> nice. Always just shooting back to Cuba and drunk. Honestly, it was oh, kind really? of like a, like a drunken comedy version of Asleep at the Wheel. <laughs> <laughs> the music was amazing and it rocked. And it really? Oh yeah. Mixed with country and the Lee Barnes on guitar. He was the most incredible guitar player. Um, who, you know, was one of my best friends. Oh, awesome. Encouraged me. And, yeah. Come on, you got to play guitar. You get, get yourself a Stratocaster. I'll help you get an amp. And here, do this, you know. So he, I really owe him a lot for 
uh, encouraging me to keep going as a lead player. And that was in 1976. So I never really looked back after that. And, um, you know, I guess 10 years later, that was when I joined the Scream and Sirens. But Man. before that, I was always in country bands and ended up moving to L.A. Cool. And and wh- is that where you started to get your, like, I know everybody, every guitarist has their own tone uh, for people mm-hmm. that don't know that are listening to the podcast. And it just, is that where you started to establish yours? I think I just started establishing it. Um, I mean, I listened a lot to Lee when I was in Rosie and the Screamers, but when I started playing like in country bands to kind of make a living when I was living in LA, I was working besides that guy, Greg Lee's that I was talking about. Yeah. And another guy named Jack Daniels. Oh, cool. I worked with them a lot and they, Jack Daniels was in a band called Highway 101 later. Oh, yes. I, remember, yeah, I know that band. Yeah. And um, so, you know, playing four nights a week with these guys, uh, listening, you know, being on the stage, I learned a lot about my guitar playing in those. must have been about maybe four or five years of doing that. Wow. And I just got trained to hear good tone and go home and practice and find it and yeah. And it was kind of like playing in the Screaming Sirens and doing that to where I really got to just be a guitar player. And, That's cool. And people were giving me a chance to do it. Like, yeah. Take it, Rosie, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I was brave, you know, brave enough to do it. And then I, I started doing those solo acoustic concerts where I would just start playing lead right in the middle of songs and stomping my foot. And, awesome. You know, just like a play lead over the beat, you know, and yeah, love that. You know, they're not used to seeing a girl. In fact, I was um, playing uh, Monday night, and this girl came up. She said, "I didn't know you played guitar." Really? Yeah. I'm like, wow. I've been playing guitar since I was 16. Man, lead, you know, and yeah. I said, but you can't tell if you hear me on the radio. You don't know who's playing it. True. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, so that's why I recorded Working Girls Guitar. To let everyone know? Well, yeah, I didn't have any other guitar player on that record. Wow, that's so cool. I put my guitar on the cover. Yeah. And then on the credits, like, guitar, Rosie Flores. Yes. Yeah, that, that's, that's so cool. Go, oh. And you know what? It ended up landing me a, an article in Guitar Player Magazine, Guitar World, Guitar yeah. this, Guitar That. And so I, I finally started getting some recognition as a player. That's so cool. And, uh, but it's still hard. People, they, they don't know. I mean, if I'm being videoed, yeah, there's a solo happening, they'll, and I'm doing it, they'll put the camera on the guy. So what? Assuming that that's the guy playing. So oh. in order for me to get, to really get noticed, I have to step out and put, hold my guitar up. Yeah, the whole so, show. Yeah. No, it's me. <laughs> and then once I go, oh, she does it. And then then they'll pay attention. But uh, I've wow. been, you know, there's a lot of footage out there where in my early days where they'll put the, the camera on Greg Lee's or Dwayne Jarvis, who was the other guitar players. And they're just expecting that they're going to rip. And-, and they were ripping. Yeah. They were ripping in the band. But whenever it was time for me to, so I've been practicing on for, you know, days. It wouldn't get on camera, you know. Oh, 
That's you know more than that. Yeah. It was more important than people were looking at me. It was more important that I sounded good. Yeah, you know, yeah, that was true. What I've always been working on, and I think I finally really love my tone. I really oh. love the tone I get. How and how much the did you compliment you could ever give me? That's well. There. How how much did you practice when you like <laughs> you practice now? But how much did yeah. you practice to get to that point? Like I just. For me, it's just like just picking the guitar up and playing it, you know, and it's, you know, what am I going to do? Watch TV or play guitar? It's way more fun to play guitar. Yeah, yeah. Unless I, you know, put on a video, of, you know, a Chuck Berry documentary and play along with him. <laughs> yeah, that's you right. Know, play along with a documentary of, the, you know, B.B. King or something. Yeah. Like that. Or just, you know, like. Put, play some records and play along with them. And if there's something I hear, I'll stop the music and work on that bit for a while. Cool. Go, oh, I've never quite played that like that. Oh, I didn't think I could do that like that way. Yeah. So it opens up a new channel for me. So when I'm on stage, you know, I've got more vocabulary that I can throw into the pot. You know? Yeah. But, you know, I'll say one thing for sure is like, it gets really frustrating, you know, trying to run, run the rosy career all by myself because I don't have a manager and I don't have a, a spouse and I, you know, I have to, I have to do a lot. That is a lot. Yeah. Which is why I'm so crazy all the time. And, <laughs> you know, I'm still here going, wait, did I clean the cat box today? You know, and yeah. spend time with them, I can pet them. And then, oh my God, I have to cook something for me. Man. I can't eat junk food. I'm like, well, I'll just cook a little something up in the kitchen. Like, then by the time I'm eating, done with the dishes, oh, there went the time to play guitar. Yeah. Because you know, I'm yeah. ready for the gig. And plus, the bookings, the bookings must be. I have good. a booking agent. Okay. So, yeah. That, Th- that, that takes that away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that takes, but you know what? Every time she gets me a gig, I kid you not, there's a hundred problems to solve. Wow. Who's in the band? So like Where the stage plot? What time are we playing? Yeah. Send them a stage plot. Send them, start doing social media. You know, find out who can play and get them the set list and do a new set list for wow. that one. What's the transportation going to be like? Where are we going to yeah. stay? You know, yeah, that whole list, you know, and I this. You know, and I start working in these books and I start, you know, filling all that information out. And, um, you know, and then somebody will say, oh, I can't do it. So, yeah, you'll uh, call a bunch of numbers and say, you know, find somebody that's going to be up to par that can fill in that hopefully knows the stuff. And and for the same rate. Yeah. Same rate. And so now I'm worried because I'm flying to. You know, it's 4th of July weekend. The flights are understaffed. Uh, they had 185 flights canceled a few days ago. And I have to fly to New York from Houston. And I don't even live in Houston, but I got to fly from there at 7 o'clock in the morning. So, <clears throat> excuse me, so that I can get to um, Connecticut and do a show Friday night. Oh. So and you're what going. I, what if I get canceled my flight? I'm going to lose New Haven, Connecticut. Man, yeah, I know Toronto has been bad. A huge festival. Oh, Report. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, that'll be fun. 
know. It's all fun to me. <laughs> 24th of July in um, uh, Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. So, and then I'm flying to Minneapolis, and Meh. we're going to do uh, Nielsville, this uh, play the Silver Dome in Nielsville, and then we're going to go play in uh, what's it called, Great Eagle, Minnesota, and then I'm playing in St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, so you're on the go. So I have a little run going on here. Yeah. I already got my booster and fourth <laughs> booster, second booster, fourth shot. Yeah. And uh, so I feel like, you know, I'm going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm older, you know, so I have to do all the things and take care of myself. Sure, everybody does. Yeah. But touring is hard on you. Like it's so. I mean, it can be if you don't eat right and take your vitamins. Yeah, yeah. You got to sleep and eat late nights. Yeah. Keep the stress low. So everything, all those little hundred questions that you set up in advance. Yep. Paper, you got all the answers. Let's get on the boat and sail. Wow. The waters are going to be even. Do you you throw in in a a rider and put the green M&Ms and that sort of thing in just to make sure they (laughs) pay attention? My agent is a wonderful agent. She, She sends the riders in and the stage plots. Yeah. And with Atomic Music Group, with Laura Palmer, she's very on top of making sure that they get that stuff, you know. But yeah. we worked together to try and create all that stuff. And we worked together to try to keep it up to date. And we worked together to figure out who's in the band. Are we doing the duo? Are we doing the four piece? Are you doing solo? Where wow. do you want to go? And so it's a lot of work, even to, you know, work with her, you know. Yeah get our game plan together, you know, to get strategy. And, and then there's the record label and, you know, what are we get? We're going to put out a record and then there's the band. When are we going to record and how to get the money together to, you know, get the songs ready to go on and record and who's going to put it out. And it it all takes time. It's a really, it's, it's a lot of work to have a career in music. And yeah. Yeah. um, You know, for me at my level, you know, I'm not Bonnie Raitt. I'm not Lucinda Williams, you know. Um, I'm Rosie Flores. <laughs> That's right. That's it. And there's there's not as not as much money. So, you know, if people are out there listening to this and, and you're a fan of mine and you have um, expertise in management and feel like working with me, please call me. <laughs> cool. Awesome. We'll put that out, too, in the notes. Most of the time I spend should be more on music and, yeah. and let me finish writing my book and getting back into painting. You know, I do painting. And oh, awesome. What, what, what kind of painting do you do? Is well, it- I have, I have, uh, actually here's one. I have a, this is one of my Louis Armstrong. Oh, awesome. That's Thank deadly. Thank you. Yeah. And I do, you know, I do painting and I do abstracts and, um, but I, you know, I want to get a little gallery show going, and I, I need to get off the computer and get off the yeah. managing myself so I can write the book and do more paintings and write more mm-hmm. songs and, you know, rehearse the band and get another record. Well, I find I do a lot of – I'm not on that same scale, but I do a lot of that stuff too, and uh, I have a hard time switching once once I'm in that mode into creative mode again into songwriting like because I, I feel like songwriting takes 
it, t- it takes its own time. Like it, it you sit there and you, you know, you, you try and work through it a little bit, but the, creatively it's got to come kind of deal. And if you're no. stressed, it's not going to work out. Yeah. Sometimes it just comes out of a stressful situation, or at least the words can come. Yeah. You know, but I find, and especially when I was younger, when I didn't have a lot going on and there wasn't these damn computers. Yes. You know, and there was just a telephone. Yeah. Wire on it that you have to drag around the house. And you could leave it off the hook. Yeah, you could leave it off the hook. <laughs> you didn't have to have it in your it wasn't stuck to your body and in your pocket. <laughs> you were yeah. into every room and depending upon all these texts and messages you were going to get. And you would sit down at your kitchen table with a cup of coffee and maybe a cigarette and a yellow pad. Awesome. And and just do that. That was like a habit. Yeah. Sit there and write. And it was like, well, I have to do this because I'm a songwriter. Yeah. What I do yeah. is, you know, who I am. and. I got nothing else. <laughs> that's cool, though. That, nothing that's, else going on. I had no money. You know, this, this is it. It's so, so organic, though. Back that. to that, you know. Yeah. When I was writing, I was starting writing my book. I went and spent a month, and actually got to go to New Zealand. Cool. My sister lives there. Does she? Yeah. Which, where does she live? Uh, just outside of uh, Christchurch. I was there. Oh, awesome! <laughs> I haven't been there yet. I was uh, started out in Christchurch. Picked up a, a really great band, made friends, and then I spent most of the time in a little town. I can't remember which direction it was. It was before their earthquake, actually. Yes. Yeah. And I stayed in a little town called Fairley, and it was a little awesome. town. And I lived in down. a hotel for a month. I'm going to write that down so I can uh, talk to my sister about it, <laughs> see if she knows. The, um, yeah. I can't. It was called the Gladstone Hotel. Ask her if it's still there. It may okay. well have been renovated by now because back then it was real old school. Like sure. My bathroom was across the hall. Oh, wow. A sink and a coffee maker in my room. <laughs> nice. A really tiny room. Probably like a jail cell, you know, glorified jail cell. Yeah, yeah. Where I could go wherever I wanted to walk into the town every day. And, but I would get up at 6 in the morning, and it was kind of like being a songwriter, but it was being a prose writer. And I would get awesome. up. I loved getting up at the crack of dawn. Yeah. And with the coffee. And then I was just like, oh, I couldn't wait to write. Yeah. Sun shining. Stories and, and I was yeah. just addicted to it, you know. Cool. I need to get back to that place again, you know. And so I just I just want all this other business stuff to get out of way out of the way. I'll, I'll pay somebody to do it for me. <laughs> so that I can go back to being a creative person. You- Need to put something on LinkedIn or something that. Uh... <laughs> it's so funny. I found something online called uh, finding finding yourself a doer. Oh yeah. And I saw that and I'm like, it's probably really expensive, but I need a doer. Yeah. I need to do all the social media and get things together for me so that you know I'm not. Sometimes I'll be stuck here on the computer for two hours trying to figure something out that somebody asked me to do and well, I don't know how to do it. There is a, there's a little website called Fiverr. I don't know if you've heard of it. Uh, like you, you type five F I V E R R uh, Fiverr.com. So it's Fiverr. All right. And, uh, and, and basically the premise is everything costs five bucks, but it, little extra things they'll tack on 
more money. But a lot of people use this for to outsource things like, uh, yeah, yeah, for like graphic design and for all kinds of things, documents and you name it. They'll do jingles like little <laughs> for jingles. advertisements. Yeah, there's all jingles. sorts of things. Yeah, it's a pretty cool feat. It's a pretty cool thing, and it might help out. Can you spell it again? Yeah, F F I V E R R. Fiverr. Yeah, Fiverr.com. Yeah. And it was five bucks. It was, yeah. And in fact, I, a lot of my merch uh, was designed by someone on Fiverr. It cost me, I think it was five bucks for each uh each picture that i wanted and i wanted one for every song on my first album and so it cost me t- uh what was that 50 bucks something like that just to get it designed are yeah they, are they out of canada only no uh, they're all over the place because it's internet based so it's yeah never heard of that. thank you you're welcome yeah hopefully it works out for you i hope you can I'm use it call them up today and see if they can help me get like something to take on the road so that i can well i th- yeah, I think you just flash my Venmo and my PayPal. I want to get these little cards that I can put around the tables and oh, easily they'll make me them. or they can. Yeah, they want to buy a T-shirt and they don't, you know, have a credit card or money. They can do that. Yeah, they make those for sure. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They would. Uh, you just go online. You can see all the services that they have, and and uh, you type in what you want, and then they'll. And not that I'm advertising for Fiverr, but it's uh, definitely something I use. And yeah, I, a lot of people use it. Nice. But, yeah, good luck with it. I hope that works. Uh, I'm sure it will. Let, let's go to uh, your influence uh, or some one of the couple of people that influenced you. And it, it led to an award for you. And I don't, I, I'm not completely up on what a Peabody award is, but um, it sounds like it's a mega award <laughs> beautiful award um okay if you go if folks that are listening and you if you go to rockabillyradio.org okay you will see a, a audio documentary called a whole lot of shaken yeah and then shaken's s-h-a-k-i-n apostrophe a whole okay. lot of shaken, and you will see a picture of me. And there's ten hours of that I um, I was the speaker. I was, I was the, wow, like the host. I was the host, and I huh. narrated all the stories. Um, I read off, off a script by um, the uh, the guy that put it together it was a um, really wonderful uh, documentarist named Lex Gillespie. Okay. And they picked me to be the voice of the Tele-Rockabilly story since, you know, back then when they did it, I was one of the very few people that were kind of out there and doing it. And um, what year did we did it? I think it was like 2006. Yeah, because the award came in 2007. Yeah, so we did it in 2006. And it was it was so well written and, and so well edited. Um, the editors on this I mean, we all just did this together. Oh, and, awesome. Um, so I got to go to the um, the Waldorf Astoria and get up there and get, you know, get this award. Wow. And it was really fun. And um, so it was when, uh, when we, you know, the radio show was actually released 
all through the country, and that radio stations would play an hour each Saturday night. So for 10 Saturdays, they would play, okay, here's another hour of it. Because it's the really docu- a lot of hours, and you can press a button and listen to as much as you want to at home. And Similar to a podcast. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so the, the thing that's so amazing about this is that, like, let's say they're doing the one on Elvis, which, by the way, that's a great movie. Go see it. You did um, see it? Oh, cool. <laughs> really good. That guy is a great actor. Austin Butler is a great actor. The best Elvis impersonator I've ever seen. Really? And a great actor and really good casting. Tom Hanks was amazing. But I anyway, couldn't believe um, it. Yeah. So if you're listening to the one on Elvis, um, you will hear bits of Elvis's songs. You'll hear bits of Elvis talking. You'll hear a lot of, uh, you know, interviews by guys from his band members, uh, the, the guys that were in his, um, what, what they call them, the TCB. TCB oh. Guys. What did they call yeah. them? A bunch of guys. I should remember because I just saw it. But, you know, he had, you know, Red was one of them, and those guys were his dudes, you know, and they followed yeah. them everywhere, and they went everywhere with them. And so interviews by those guys and pieces of music. and They so did one cool. on, they called it the, the Phillies or something. They call me the Rockabilly Phillies. So they might have called it Rockabilly Phillies. And it's Janice Martin and Wanda Jackson and Cordell Jackson. Yes. You know, so interviews by them telling their story pieces of their music and then me intertwined putting, I was the glue to the whole story. So, so was it similar to like a Ken Burns thing where he did the, well, but Ken Burns is visual, right? It's right. Oh, and yours is all auditory. Oh, cool. Okay. Awesome. So you can, you know, like listen to while you're cooking dinner. Yeah. That's, that's the whole, you know, so you made a 10 hour podcast. (laughs) That's that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't even think of it that way, but yeah, it's like a podcast. Yeah, that's cool. And Wanda Jackson, so if we go that way, you you kind of brought her back out of retirement, was that right? Was that was she retired? I was very instrumental in doing that because you know, when I when I first discovered that I was in love with Rockabilly again, well, I had been when I was a kid. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was, you know, they were playing Jerry Lee Lewis and Teddy Bear on the radio. And I was like, play Teddy Bear, play Teddy Bear. And my brother, he played the fake guitar when he was like six years old. And so um, I, I had my rebirth with it um, after I'd been a country singer. And I, um, I went, I would hang out at the Palomino Club. And um, these young British kids came over dressed to the nines with their hair greased back, not a hair out of place. No way. And their clothes were just like pressed and tight and colorful. And, you know, they were just like kind of like teddy boys, but sharp looking, you know. Yeah. And young, like they looked like they were 18 and they were so cute. Perfect skin and, you know, tattoos (laughs) and like, yeah. who are those guys? You know? yeah, where'd they come from? <laughs> and it turned out to be Levi and the Rock Cats. Okay, cool. North London or somewhere. And so I went and saw them play at the Troubadour, and they were on they were on TV. They were some, but their manager was really pushing them in LA. 
And so I guess they were playing in New York and LA. And when, when I saw their show, I'm like, ah, this is the kind of music I want to get back into. And then I started, you know, discovering all the females that were in it back in the fifties, like, you know, Janice Martin. And, and I was like, yeah. I want to be, I want to be the, the, the female rockin' rockabilly girl that plays guitar, you know, I want yes. to present myself. Yeah. Sort of working on, you know, singing the vocals and trying to write songs that fit in with that genre. And so it was still kind of hillbilly because, you know, and it was still kind of R and B because I started out playing blues and I was in my first band, you know. Yeah. So it was able it was natural for me to put all this recipe together and and so that's kind of help make me who I am, you know? That's awesome. Was that the question? Well, it was just, yeah. So, well, and with Wanda, just, uh, you brought her out of retirement. Yeah. uh, yeah. So, so when I decided to make a record that was going to be a rockabilly record, um, I did it for high tone records, uh, the record label that I had put two previous CDs out with out of Oakland, California, and um, had Greg Lease and uh, T.K. Smith from the Big Sandy Band on guitar. I had John Heron, who passed away, on piano, and he knew that genre. He was from that era. Yeah. And Donald Lindley, who could, he was the rockinest cat of any drummer I've ever Cool. Known. He could just play that rockabilly. And Russell Scott on upright bass, who was a great kind of he just knew rockabilly he knew every song it was like a jukebox yeah play could slap the bass and he was <laughs> one of the best in town so we put them together and we recorded rockabilly philly and i decided at the time that in order to make this record as authentic as i can i need to get some real rockabillies on there so i called up wanda and she was gun ho that's so I cool said, Let's eh? do one of my songs and one of your songs that's so awesome. Rock and Little Angel that I had written yeah. with John Scott, with uh, John Heron and Rocky Burnett, who was from the son of uh, Johnny Burnett from the Burnett Brothers Trio. So it's hmm. a real rockabilly blood there. Yeah. And I asked Janice Martin to do it, and she said yes. So I had some authenticity in, with those girls on there, and that part, in part what made that record so popular. Were you nervous at all reaching out to, I mean, um, she was kind of, was she basically, I, I, I was more excited than nervous. Yeah. <laughs> big fans. And I had already made friends with Wanda. Um, well, actually I'd met them both already. Um, and uh, Wanda, I got to sing backups with her on something she did. Okay. And then after that, I, I was on a show you can find this online on YouTube, probably. It's called Live at the Ryman. At the Live Ryman at the Ryman, Ryman. yes. And yep. it's an all-girl band. And um, Wanda Jackson's in the band. I'm in the van uh, playing guitar. Cindy Cashdollar's on steel. Um, there's, you know, solo female musician Tammy Rogers on fiddle from Steel Drivers. Oh, wow. And, um, uh What's her name? Um, what's the name of the, the, the girl? I haven't thought of her in so long. Um, the one that sang with John Prine on that one song. 
Oh, uh, yeah. He's got the oh. accent. Oh. Yes. I'm trying to think of who it is, too. It'll come um, back to me. Yeah. Um, I've got a really cool picture of her. In Iris. The- Iris. Demet, yes. I've got a really cool picture of her and uh, Bonnie Owens, Buck Owens' wife. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. Find her to give her this because it's a, um, it's the, it's the one of a kind because it's a, a Instagram, ins, what do you call those cameras? Instagram? Oh, Instamatic or something? Instamatic. Or, yeah. Camera. Yeah. Picture of her and Bonnie, and it's a beautiful picture. They both. Oh, have. awesome. So I've got, I've been trying to find her to get that to her. But anyway, um, so Wanda took off after we did that. And she went, when we went to tour for that record, she went on a six-week tour with me. Fun. And we we went like this across America, zigzag up and down. It was not a very nice way. That to, was, was yeah, that, I was going to say, that sounds like a tiring tour. Just don't care. They're just wow. like, we'll just get them wherever they get. But it was hard on us. We got Wanda and Wendell, her husband, had their own band. But me and my boys, yeah, um, we backed both of us. And yeah. um, we got stuck in the mud. We ran out of gas. I mean, there was like some trials and tribulations. Um, I ended up getting ripped off by the agent oh. because he didn't get put his, uh, he mishandled his money. And so the IRS put a lien on his account and uh, I had to join a sleep at the wheel to make enough money to pay my bill. Oh yes. Yes. I read that somewhere. Yep. And then we had, um, we did take him to court and then I had to get a, um, an attorney, uh, that was in the same city he was to, to wring it out of his, you know, pockets books. Man. So I still lost out financially in a big way. Um, I probably cost me five grand in the end, Gee whiz. but I gained a lot out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Resilience, huh? Yeah. I am the most resilient person I know. <laughs> That's really awesome. Am. And I, you know, it's like, you can't knock me down because guess what? I'm going to get back up again. That's it. That's a sign. <laughs> as long as I can get back up again, I'm, I'm good, you know. And Janice, you, you did a tribute type thing to Janice Martin as well. Is that so when um, Janice was alive? Yeah. When Janice was alive back in 2006. Um, or maybe it was closer to the end of 2006. I called her up after I moved here to Austin and a friend of mine had a recording studio and he said, Rosie, come on out here. It was in Blanco, Texas. Yes. Come on out here and make a record at a studio. Just, he goes, I've got gear. If you want to bring your own um, engineer or whatever you want to do, it's be free. And oh, this, wicked. This yeah. was, uh, him and his wife are really dear friends, and he was a steel guitar player that I knew when I was in Rosie and the Screamers. Oh, nice. In California, that band. So that's how Another full circle. Yeah, full circle. <laughs> so him and his wife moved here. She was an ex-anesthesiologist. So they said um, – so anyway, so I called up Janice because I've been trying to produce her for 10 years. Wow. Said, okay, Janice, um, listen, I really, I found a studio. Let's make a record. And she was so despondent. 
Really? She broke out in tears and she said, my son just died. Oh, my gosh. And this son was the son that she was pregnant by when RCA dropped her for being pregnant. Oh, no. And, you know, put an end to her career. Yeah. So yeah. And she loved that, that kid. She loved Greg. So wait a minute. What's his name? Was Greg? I think his name was Greg. I get mixed up because Wanda has a son named Greg too. Okay. Um, but I have to look it up. But um, I never really, really got to know him. But yeah. just only know that, that she loved raising him her whole life. And, and, you know, RCA had given her an ultimatum. You know? Wow. So this. That's said, nice. We promoted pregnant teenage star. And she's like, I'm not going to give up my. I'm Seriously. Married. I'm yeah. married, you know, it's my, it's me and my husband's child, you know, so that's kind of like put an end to her career because, um, and I don't blame her for doing that, you know, but the Jeez, colonel was... even wanted to manage her. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. I read that somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And she was, she tells me the story. She was sitting in the RCA office and Elvis was on a couch um, and he was like this. He was like, <laughs> <laughs> and Janice's mom took a look at Elvis, and and the colonels was like, I want to, I want to uh, manage Janice, and they ended up putting an album out called Janice and Elvis. Really, compilation that RCA put out because they yeah. were on RCA records. Yeah. And uh, Jan Janice's mom took one look at Elvis and said, "You're not doing that to my daughter." No way. He looked, I guess, strong out. Looked really, really, yeah, worn out. You know. Yeah, I bet. Her mom was like protective hen, you know, and so she did. Probably a good thing to do that, you know. And yeah. Yeah, it was a good thing. So, but she lived her life, and you know, she got married and worked at the country club and went and did. She did uh, rockabilly festivals all the way up until the end. And, That's you know, so great. You know, like the younger people. But, you know, so I called her up and I said, well, okay, I understand. But then while we were talking about it and I was telling her, I said, it was an amazing band for you. And, uh, you know, we could get together and look at songs. And she goes, you know, maybe I should do it for my son. He would want me to do it. Oh, wow. Oh, get goosebumps. Yeah. Mind off a bit, you know, and I'm like, Oof. so I, I booked a plane ticket and I went over to see her and me and Bobby Trimble, who did co-production with me, the drummer that at the time was working with big Sandy, great hmm. musicologist, DJ on his own. Yeah. Right. And, we uh, sent her a bunch of songs and I sat down with her in person and brought my little laptop and we did garage band demos, found the right key, arranged everything, sent it out to the band. By the cool. time I got there, everybody knew what they were doing. We cut it all in two days. That's awesome. Wow. One day. I'm a nice. really good producer. There you go. <laughs> I know how to get this done because I've recorded so many records myself. And I've learned from the best, you know. Yeah. And so I was, you know, I didn't play guitar on it. I, I just wanted to be there at her side, whatever she needed. Yeah. So I did do some background harmonies and um, play, you know, did quite a bit of the arrangement of that. And after she passed away, because 
we sent her home. Well, she, she showed up and she said, I, I feel like crap, but I'm, wow. I didn't want to let you down and I'll make sure we get the music down and I'll come back and do the vocals later. And I'm like, okay, thank you for being here. Whatever you can do, we'll take care of you. And she was rose to the occasion because the band sounded so good. Oh, it brought her out. Yeah. Brought her right back out. It was the best yeah. singing I've ever heard her done. And so she went home and, she, she sent me this really great sweater and some jewelry as a thank you present and told me that this was the best record I've ever made, Rosie, and thank you. And so it was really gratifying and very rewarding for me to have oh, wow. her be so happy. Yeah. That brought tears to my eyes. I mean, that's, that's all so I wanted. Great. Yeah. I wanted to put all the money I had left from my parents selling their house after they passed away. I wanted to do this, you know. Wow. I was just such a, she was my idol. You know? Man. So we lost her four months later. Yeah. We never got to see it come out. And oh, I, she didn't? Oh, no. no. Oh. We never got to, she only got to hear the roughs, and she loved it even as the roughs. Well, and those are, like, yeah, those are so good anyways, you know. And it, yeah, that's not fully mixed, but it's still the, it's yeah, the it's, sound. It didn't have. Yeah. It didn't have you know, the background harmonies and it had the saxophones and oh. didn't have, you know, some extra whatever huh. we put on and put on the icing, you know, the sparkles on it, you know. Yeah. And yeah. then I had to uh, design an album cover and then I had to go to her house with her husband and, and uh, take a scanner and scan all the pictures from her scrapbooks when she was a little girl. Yeah. All the way, all the way up. And, um, she uh so we got we put every everything on Kickstarter and raised oh, cool. fifteen thousand dollars because I couldn't get a record label to put put this out or get the money behind it because she had passed on. They didn't think it would sell, so I had to do it myself. Man. So hence me and Marty Brom went on tour after it came out to promote it. Yeah. We did a show with a slideshow behind us at the oh. at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and so great. And, you know, we still want to do it. It's still a, a show that should be done. And yeah, why not? And I talk about it all the time. But, you know, if I could find somebody to help me do all this stuff. Oh, yeah, that's true. Everything I takes do. time. <laughs> there it goes. That's the other part. No, it's like I've got this show with a script and I've got the, I've got this, you know, all the, all the photographs. Yeah. With the script. I have a whole wow. show I produced. That's so great. Um, she was when I read when she was young, she used to uh uh open for, I believe, Hank Snow might have been. I believe that was one of the ones Hank Thompson. No, no, Hank Thompson was Wanda. Um you know, well Janice used to open for Elvis too, you know. Yeah. That's right. I read that as well because they both had that connection, Wanda and Janice. She yeah. never got to really do her biography, and there's, there's, there was a couple of young girls that were asking me about her and that were, were going to write a biography for her, but I don't know. Did they come out? I don't know. I think the only thing I seen was on uh, uh, Wikipedia. On Wikipedia, there's a bio. Yeah, a bio. That would yeah. be the place to 
find facts yeah. and figures and stuff like that. Yeah, and and uh, who knows what's true on Wikipedia? But and yeah, it, it did. I thought say Hank Snow, and that what was funny is Hank's from not far from here, uh, but where I live, which it was. it's not ringing a bell with Liverpool, Liverpool, Nova Scotia. Yeah, yeah. So it was named after where the Beatles came from. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I love the Beatles so much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm such a Beatles fan. Awesome. Well, and Ringo. I love it. But um, anyway, yeah, that that's pretty much, you know, my feather in my cap was helping those two women come back out. Yeah. And, and get appreciated and do something that was more, that wasn't just the fifties. It was more current. So yeah, Wanda kept touring and she ended up in the rock inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame. Awesome. And they invited me with, to be with them and she thanked me from the podium. And oh, so cool. It's really, really gratifying. And I've got to call her. I should call her tomorrow and say, yeah, She's retired, but her last record, was produced by Joan Jett. Oh, is that right? You produce it. Sounds really good. Yeah. I'm really proud of her, um, Wanda. And uh, so anyway, I'm I'm trying to keep going. Wanda says, you're going to be, the, you're the next one. You're going to take over for me, Rosie. That'd be awesome. Uh, Why not? Put it on paper. <laughs> yes. Why wouldn't you? Well, the, is this, how did, I also read that you have Rosie Flores Day. The well, the city named named was it August fifth? Is that right? August thirty first is Rosie was made Rosie Flores Day in two thousand and six. Yeah, and okay. Austin has this really cool thing where the mayor of the city will pick an artist or a person who's doing something to um, help the community. Man. And so sometimes artists will get chosen. And they'll, you know, you'll go in front of City Hall and they'll present you with this, you know, framed piece of paper. And, um, you know, you, you talk, you know, you maybe sing a couple songs and yeah, and the, the proclamation gets, you know, read oh, cool. to you. And then they take you out to dinner and then they take you around and kind of, you know, just have a, a rosy florist day, you know, and so great. They don't, you know, actually it's not like on a city calendar or it's not. And there's been many people that have been, um, you know, featured and had a day. Yeah. And um, so that, you know, it's it's up to you to keep celebrating it or, you know. Well, sure. About it, you know, so. Well, and, and really uh, you say there's many, but there's many that have not. I mean, <laughs> there's... <laughs> When you look at the population, I think, what is the population of Austin? It must be huge. Like, yeah, I mean, you have to get out there and be in the public eye. Yeah. Be doing something. And so there's, um, there's, it's just an honor, you know. And I made it into the Austin Musicians Hall of Fame through wow. a woman named uh, Margaret Mosier, who was a really big fan of mine. And That's she so passed great. away. Uh, but she was a journalist here in town and um, she used to write for the main paper. And she was one that came up with the awesome music awards and oh, awesome and things like that. You know, so yeah. she was, she was amazing. She came here. I think when she came to town, she was just like kind of a, you know, sort of 
just a punk rocker or a groupie or something, you know. <laughs> she was beautiful. Oh, we miss her so much. There's a statue of her here now. Really? Yeah. Wow. She, she was the one that made sure I got my 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 do comings, you know. You, you were in you're in with good company there. That's I awesome. Yeah, I am. Yeah. And that's iconic to have a statue made of you. Yeah, that's crazy yeah, for her. She yeah, deserves it. There's like a sort of a little Margaret Mosier square or something. I haven't actually seen it, but Stevie Ray Vaughan has a a big statue on the water here. Oh yeah, bronze statue. Yeah. I've never been, and I've I've always planned to come to Texas, and I haven't been there yet. So well, when you come, be- you got to come to the water's edge. Yes, that's yeah. right. Lake, not Lake Austin anymore. They, it's called Ladybird Lake now. Ladybird, okay. Ladybird Lake, yeah. Right on, Ladybird Lake. Um, Ladybird did a lot um, for us, and she planted. She made sure that we planted lots and lots of blue bonnets and Texas wildflowers. Oh yeah, all through Texas, and so um, and she she made they made a law that it was against the law to pick blue bonnets. Huh. Is that right? Pick them. Hmm. Here it's lady slippers. Very slight. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't me. <laughs> in no in Nova Scotia we have uh lady slippers and they're they're uh protected. Yeah, you're not allowed to pick those. And they actually look like a, a lady's I think I've seen those shoe. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. Lace players from Canada and the talisman. Oh really? Yeah. What part do you know? Um, I think he might have said it was. Did he say it was Nova Scotia? Wow. He did. He's living here and married the most amazing, one of my very very favorite female uh, performer, piano player, who's uh, Johnny Gimble's granddaughter. Okay. Cool. Gimble. Nice. He's phenomenal. So they just had a kid. And so we're going to be, <clears throat> I hope we can get the talisman to go back to Canada. Like, That'd be cool. Yeah. 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 There's, and there's a number of festivals up here now. So yeah. yeah. You turn me on to some or turn me on to an agent there. Sure. Yeah. Get Michael there. Michael Archer. There. He was Sounds good. For a Juno award with one band. Oh, awesome. Yeah. You can see us where, if you go look on YouTube, and yeah. So, uh, Rosie Flores and the Talisman. We did two songs, "So Sad" and "I Got a Right to Cry." And those oh, that sounds on, good. On YouTube, and you can see our band. I'll link those in the show notes, and then uh, everybody okay. can have a look. Yeah. People can go there. Awesome. Well, Rosie, this has been fantastic. I know you got some packing to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have to. Uh... I'll be up till three a.m. <laughs> oh man, jeez. That's well, okay. I wish you good luck in your travels too, and uh, hopefully, you, fingers crossed. Yeah, you don't run I, into any trouble. I just, I just hope that that the flights don't get uh, delayed, and I just, I just want to get there safe and sound, and and so I can really just do this little tour. I'm sending you good vibes. Yay! <laughs> good okay. vibes too. So, with with the last question of the day. The last one is the one that I is that it's the whole crux of the podcast is who should I be talking to? You should be talking to Patricia Vaughn. Patricia 
and her last name is spelled V-O-N-N-E. Okay. She is an amazing artist. Yeah. Not only does she play guitar and sing and write, she makes films that win awards. She she knows she makes um uh what do you what do you call them um oh god uh animated films. Oh, cool. And but she's also done short films with yeah real actors, and um she just has more energy and more talent than any of my other friends. I'll have to give her. You know, the award. <laughs> She's dropped it gorgeous. She's the nicest person I've ever met. Oh, it's Comes so from awesome. a wonderful family from San Antonio. Yeah. She's um, actually the sister of a great director, Robert Rodriguez. Okay. And she's learned a lot from him. And all her family, are all the brothers and sisters, are they're either directors or actors or film so cool. people. and. Yeah, father is phenomenal. He used to be a drummer, but he like he was a door to door salesman selling pots and pans to raise the family. She'll tell you all about it. Oh yeah, I can't wait to get into it. That's so so awesome. I was really happy when she said she would be up for doing it. Well, that's so great. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for doing this, and thanks for uh, being on the show here. I'm so happy Rachel uh, connected us. So that's that's a plus too. Yeah, and good luck. Good luck in your uh, travels coming up, and uh, and good luck on Fiverr. If you can, if you need any help, just e- email me, and I can try and help you navigate it. Yeah, <laughs> do something today. Maybe they can help me with something today. Sure. Yeah, I got five bucks. I think I got five bucks left. Oh. <laughs> All right, this sounds good. We'll chat again. I hope sometime. I hope so too. Maybe I'll see you in Nova Scotia. Who knows? That'd be great. Okay. Thanks, Rose. Wow, that was cool. Legendary. Uh, Rosie Flores. That was, uh, you know what I loved? I, I loved that her father supported that dream at such an early age. Now, just think about that. That was about $10,000 worth of equipment, and and he bought it. And yeah, they all paid it back and stuff, but back then... 10000 was a lot of money. And just, yeah, you have a dream? Yeah, okay. Here you go. And look at what it did. Um, just just look at what she did. I mean, she and she's still doing. So, so cool. And it was just a, just a real pleasure. Um, super excited as well to, to chat with Patricia Vaughn. So um, that's going to be awesome as well. I, I have to do a bunch of research. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I know that... Uh, um, she's she's very 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 uh, involved in the music and uh, film industry in uh, southern southern states. So um, and has some Cannes Festival achievements. So I'm again looking forward to that. That's going to be great. And what a cool cool thing just to have this podcast. Yeah, I thank you guys for listening always, and uh, thank you to the guests. They've been phenomenal and i can't wait to to see how this just all plays out over the years so we'll be back with the next who should i be talking to soon
please. Oh. Honey?